You are now listening to the Photography Enthusiast Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Photography Enthusiast Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Lee, or Photos by DOE. Today is our first episode for the year of 2022. So, nothing that exciting, I guess. Well, it depends on what kind of stuff you're into, but hopefully it is exciting for those listening. I guess if it's not, then you won't be listening again. As the title suggests, today we have on the menu the future of the Canon EOS EFM mount. I have insider knowledge, and I'm, I don't know anything, but I thought I'd discuss it anyway. Some news stories and also the typical what I have been up to. So I didn't get to shoot on New Year's Eve. I was actually going to take the EF M50 with me just to take some, you know, casual shots as we're out and about. But I completely forgot to pack it before I left. So, you know, I didn't bother going back for it. We're already in quite a rush to get to the dinner spot in Circular where, you know, we were having dinner for New Year's Eve. I haven't, since moving to Sydney, I haven't got to actually shoot fireworks properly one year. You know, like in Perth, every year I would go down to the East Perth foreshore and sort of like take the fireworks photos from there. I really do want to do it one year from Sydney. To be honest, the last two years have been wasted because both, I believe it was last year and this year, the crowds in certain vantage points were a lot quieter because of COVID. So it would have been the perfect time because usually people line up from like 6am, 7am and camp out the whole day. So if you want a really good spot, it's pretty much yeah, impossible. So maybe next year, I don't know, I would say it, but I would really, really like to do fireworks because the funny thing is, Back when I didn't know how to shoot fireworks, I would shoot them all the time. Ever since I learned the trick to sort of doing them really well, I haven't got to do them. So it's something I, I've only done it once. With the, for the Sydney used to have every Saturday down at Darling Harbour, they'd have fireworks. I did it once there and that's it, but they weren't the greatest. So I need like the New Year's Eve ones. I'll create the best ones you've ever seen if I can get to photograph them one time. Otherwise, haven't been shooting as much over the holiday period. Even my presence, I only just took a photo of my... Christmas present today, which was an Apple Watch Series 7. Really loving it. Feels like such an upgrade compared to my old Apple Watch. The old one was so laggy and half the buttons didn't work. You know, the actual, like, what I use it for mainly is measuring my fitness stuff. It worked fine, but it didn't work for much other stuff. I am ready to get back into shooting. I just wish it wasn't so hot and it got dark a lot earlier. But, you know, can't have everything our way, can we? Otherwise, gear-wise, obviously, I haven't bought anything over the holiday period. Well, camera-related anyway. I bought, like, general stuff around the house more watch bands a few games that kind of stuff but you know i still got my as i mentioned in my last episode the goals trying my best i've only looked on my eyes on those 85 and 105 anything else will have to be skipped so yeah otherwise that's pretty much it for my personal updates nothing that exciting so yeah on to the news so sony suspends the a7c and a6600 permanently ends the a72 and a6100 so Sony has announced that it is no longer accepting orders for the Alpha 7C and the 66A6600 and has completed production, which means no more, on the A7 Mark II and the A6100. Now for the A7 Mark II, I wouldn't say it's that much of a loss because it is a very old body. It was before they changed the grip, so it had the older battery to drain. The autofocus was pretty bad, actually very bad. Nowhere near what the A7 Mark III was. When the A7 Mark III came out, it was so revolutionary because it was a massive step up over the a7 mark ii they always keep that previous generation you know as another option rather than release a proper budget camera so now that that one's gone the a7 ii's gone the a7 III takes its place and the a7 IV is obviously the new one in that line uh this was done you know this notification was done as an apology on the sony japan website 
On there, they mentioned currently with regard to the digital imaging products, parts procurement is delayed due to the effects of global semiconductor shortages, the company said. Therefore, we will suspend the acceptance of orders from our digital, from our, sorry, distributors and customers at the Sony store as follows for specific models with tight supply, which is yeah, those ones as mentioned. Sony did stop production, as I mentioned, on the A7 II and the A6100 in November. The A6600 and the A7C have been moved to the suspended phase, so they're not gone for good. They just temporarily stopped. I'm guessing their sales aren't very that great on them. I'll try and keep my thoughts to the end, but I do have something to say about that. And Sony is no longer accepting orders for either camera, so the two joined the ZV-E10, which was similarly designated on December 3rd. So no one knows how long this global chip shortage will last. And they also commented that uh, demand for beginner intermediate SLR cameras is strong overseas. So I've put that in the wrong section. That is for the next story. So, <laughs> But what I was going to say about this is when you look online, so I use Reddit quite a bit and stuff. And from what I see, most people go, when especially for Sony, they're honestly, the APS-C cameras are a bit more pricey. I see a lot of people going for used ones or your A6300, A6500, which are a lot older ones. The A6600 is considered sort of the high-end APS-C camera for Sony. So to me, it's just maybe that's why it doesn't sell as well because of the fact that it's, you know, more higher price for an APC, APS-C camera. And some places where you live, I think the A6600 is a similar price to what you could get like a A7 II or a used A7 Mark III. So it may not be worth it for everyone. So that's probably maybe why it doesn't sell as well and why they've got rid of that model. For the A7C, I know it didn't really ever get that much of a great reception. The people who own it, really enjoyed it and for those who wanted something who liked the sort of APS-C the A6600 style body with the no camera but no EVF bump and the EVF to the side they really enjoyed that style of body but I think the majority did prefer the bump and prefer the bigger ergonomics better screen better EVF that kind of stuff so I guess that really does play into it why they you know chose that that is but hey that's it so in terms of the next story Canon confirms we've seen the last flagship DSLR so Sorry DSLR users, but Canon has officially confirmed that the Canon 1DX Mark III will be its flagship DSLR camera as it turns attention towards the future of mirrorless cameras. This was confirmed by Canon chairman and CEO, I'm going to butcher this name, Fujio Matari? Sorry, <laughs> I am yeah, not good with pronunciations, but Canon SLR flagship model is known as the EOS 1 series, the first of which appeared in 1989. The article states the last model, the one EOS 1DX Mark III, released in 2020, will be the last model, in fact. While some reports this is being all DSLRs, Canon has confirmed the scope of Matare's statement only extends to its flagship DSLRs. So, as I mentioned before, with the wrong story, they also commented demand for beginner intermediate SLR cameras is strong overseas, so we plan to continue, continue development and production for the time being. Keywords I would say there is time being. As soon as they start to dip in sales, they will get rid of them. And when it says beginner and intermediate, I see that as meaning your, what's it called? The 90D line is the intermediate and the rebels as the beginner line. I honestly don't think they'll continue making like another 6D Mark II, probably continue selling them, but they won't make another one. And I'd say the 5D4 is probably like a 5D5, definitely no chance. Highly, highly doubt they'd make a 6D Mark III. And honestly, there is zero need to make them because you have the R. The R6 and the R5 is the continuation of the line. The R5 is pretty much a 5D5 and the R6 is pretty much a 6D Mark 1, a 6D Mark 3. 
so there's no need for them. They would not have any benefits over DSLR. I mean, over mirrorless, aside from maybe battery life would be the absolute only benefit. Otherwise, mirrorless all day, every day. So, you know, there's no chance, I'd say, in my personal opinion anyway. The final story is TT Artisan launches 90mm f1 2.5 lens for EZRFL GFX and X1D. So it took me a few times to get that title right because I made a sort of a joke, which I don't think would be appropriate for the podcast, who knows. So yeah, that's been removed. But although highly anticipated, you know, so they have launched its 90mm f1.25 lens for six different mirrorless camera mounts. As I mentioned, it's bringing this lens to the Sony E-mount. Nikon Z mount or Z mount, Canon RF, Leica Sigma Panasonic L lens mount, full frame mirrorless cameras, as well as the Fuji GFX, which is medium format and Hasselblad X1D mounts. This lens, it's manual focus only with 11 elements in eight groups, including four sets of achromatic doublet lenses for high image quality. So I'd never actually heard of, you hear me, you know, read what all these elements are every week, and I haven't actually heard those used before, so it's quite interesting. The hood that comes with the lens can be attached in reverse for compact storage and transportation, which I think honestly is the same for most lens hoods anyway. But Titi Azen also touts that the hood as being great for protecting the lens from moisture, debris, and impacts, which once again is the same for all hoods. Aperture adjustments are made through the clicked range that Titi Artisan says has just the right level of resistance with marks on full stops from f1.25 to f1. to f16, sorry. It has a minimum focusing distance of 1 meter or 3.3 feet, 10 aperture blades, a 77 millimeter filter thread, and a weight of about 1.031 to 1.055 grams, or also known as 36.37 Oz, so pounds, I believe that is. It's going to be available for 479, which is honestly pretty cheap, and the images do look quite nice. They're not like, you know, say when you think of a Sigma lens or something where it's tack sharp with, um, you know, very nice transition to out of focus or very soft out of focus. They have a bit more of a soft rendering, real, you know, film kind of look to them. I personally think it looks really nice. I wouldn't mind something like this, but I'm very bad with manual focus. Even with peaking, I'm still pretty bad at it, mainly because I'm not very steady and I like to shoot wide open. So, you know, if you're steady, not very steady, and then you have to manual focus as well, you'll be maybe rocking back and forth a bit. So you probably need to shoot in burst just to really cover yourself. So if you rock back and forth, one of those shots will hopefully be in the correct plane of focus. But otherwise, you know, there's a lot of people out there that use manual lenses and I'm sure this will be a great addition to anyone's kit who wants to get something like this. That's pretty much it for all the news. So quite quick today. So now we're on to the main topic. So it's been a, the Canon EFM mount, although popular, it hasn't got much love, much love from Canon in the past few years. So maybe not everyone is familiar with this mount, you know, because not everyone shoots Canon. I don't know how many people who listen shoot Canon, but yeah, I'll just go into a little bit. So the last lens, for those who don't know, was the 32mm f1.4. That one was released in September of 2018. So nearly four, this September will be four years ago it came out, which is pretty crazy to think because it's an amazing lens. The last body that was released, which came out, was the M50 Mark II in October 2020. I know some people online call it a... Firmware upgrade of a body because, you know, not that much changed, but that's a bit sort of debatable. I've said it before, but if someone listens to the first time, the thing with these M lines, they're pretty much like Rebels. You're not meant to get every single one. If you have an M50 Mark II, you're not meant to get the M50 Mark III. It's not designed that way. It's more designed. You maybe get every, you know, whatever model. It's more something you would get to push you up onto full frame. 
it's just like a rebel. Not I don't think anyone gets like a 500D, then a 550D, 650D, 700, 750D, that kind of stuff. You don't go model to model. You just get one generally and go to full frame or you wait ages and get another one kind of thing. So this is, you know, terms of releases, this is obviously quite a large gap that we're seeing. And, you know, you always see rumors that Canon is done with the mount. I know Canon rumors is always speculating that Canon is done with it. There's the sort of death of the EFM mount. Even in Petapixel, their bold predictions for the 2022, their photography, they mentioned that, you know, Canon will abandon the EFM mount. So who knows what actually the truth is, but that's where we're here to speculate. So, you know, for obviously, as I mentioned before, those who don't know, before Canon had the EFS mount, which was its, you know, SLR, DSLR, APS-C mount, then they had EFM, EF, sorry, which was the full frame. Then in 2012, with the releases, the EOS M, they announced the EFM mount, which is a APS-C mirrorless mount. Over the years, it's, you know, the very first body was quite bad for autofocus. If you go back and look at reviews for it, that was the main thing where it was definitely not a great attempt, but at least was something. They had something out there. People always like to say the Canon waited too long for mirrorless, but they were in mirrorless since 2012. They just weren't doing full frame. It has grown a lot over the years, and I swear it has like a cult following. It's one of those things that it's not the most popular body or mount or whatever, but the people who love it really love it. And the people who use it generally love it as well. They are popular things. The only thing that most people would discredit it for, or, you know, that sort of talk down on it in a sense, which is fair, is the lens options. They're not that great. But when you look at it, what it is, I don't think it is that bad. Not me sort of defending Canon, but as I said, I see these as being a rebel line. And number one, Sony doesn't really care that much about APS-C. So honest truth, when I've been to their events, they even say full frame is the advantage, full frame this, full frame that. That's what they care about, full frame. Canon, they do somewhat care about APS-C, but they always cared more about the high-end APS-C, you know, like your 7D series, that kind of stuff. Not so much the Rebel line. They don't have many lenses in the EFM mount, but the ones they do have are generally really good, nice and really good. They all have some main advantage to them, like the 22mm is really nice and compact. 32 is extremely sharp. 15 to 45, it's got its range is good, but you know, it's not obviously that fast to aperture. They all have something that's, you know, something decent about them. We'll just put it that way. They actually also really sell well in Japan, even up to today, they're still selling really well as because they're compact and great cameras. My friend Joey, lastlights.net, if you want to check him out, he's Japanese himself. I can't remember the term he actually said, and I probably butchered if I said it, but you have like a camera lady in Japan, a certain type of woman that, you know, Use the camera. I believe he said those kind of compact cameras are very popular with them, which explains because if you look at, there's a site called BCN. So they report on what the most popular camera is in Japan each month. And that's only for the Japanese market. I believe it's a collection of all the stores, what sells best there. So for the month of November, you know, 1st to the 31st or 30th, I can't even remember how many days, I think it's 30th. BCN reported that the number one selling camera was the Rebel SL3, otherwise known as the 250D. And the second most well-selling camera was the Canon EOS KISS M2, which is the M50 Mark II. And the third best was the Sony ZV-E10. Now that Sony ZV-E10, I believe, is newer than both of those, but still outsold. There's still Canons outsold them. They're pretty much every month, they're at the top camera sales in Japan. They're that good. They're that popular in Japan as well. So I know in certain markets, you know, overseas, they're not as popular, but I personally think they're great cameras. There's obviously things I'd love to see changed and fixed about them. Maybe I can talk a bit, a little bit later down, but they're, you know, still selling well. So to me, that in itself is a reason to continue this market or continue this mount. 
even if you don't want to release that much of it, still continue it. But otherwise, I see obviously there's going to be two futures for the mount. Very likely it's either going to get rid of it or they're going to keep it. So I thought I'd just sort of talk a little bit over what I think of each. So why they should get rid of it or why Canon would get rid of it. The fact is RF mount lenses, as far as I know, would not fit on an EF mount body. So I believe with the EFM or the RF mount, the distance between the sensor and the rear element is very close. With some of them, the rear elements practically touching the lens. Not the lens, the sensor, sorry. You know, it's that close because obviously there's no mirror. Because of that, I don't believe there'd be any room for an adapter or I don't know how it would work if Canon could make an adapter that would be able to use, you know, utilize the RF lenses and make it one, you know, like how we have the EF to EFM adapter, that sort of thing. But because, you know, Canon aren't making any more EF lenses, they have said they will only make more EF lenses if the demand is there. And to be honest, there isn't really. Everyone's all about mirrorless. And Canon keep discontinuing EF lenses as well, which makes it even more likely that we'll see the end of, you know, DS EF mount. Now with the EFM mount, you can get an adapter, the EF to EFM adapter to be able to use your EF and EFS lenses on the M mount bodies. So if there's no more EF mount, then what is the point of that? You know, it becomes a lot more limited what lenses you can actually use. Obviously those EF lenses that people own, unless they sell them, are going anywhere. People can continue to use them and people continue to own them. But it sort of doesn't work as one of the one ecosystem as well, assuming, like I said, that RF lenses won't work on an EFM body. And it does also make sense to have an APS-C body that can use RF lenses. So when I first started out with my Rebel, I got all EF, like full frame lenses to use on it so that when I upgraded to a full frame body, I could just purely use, I'd already had the lenses, it's just the body I'm swapping out. But not everyone does that, you know, so that's one thing to keep in mind, but it does make sense to have all the one mount, like a RFS, that sort of lenses or something like that. So in that sense, it does makes sense to get rid of it. Maybe it's just my bias, but I think there's more reason to keep it. Now, if you look at it, most people who buy a Rebel or an APS-C camera go to full frame and they sell off, they usually sell off all their gear and upgrade. Because you know, when you do that, you can either even swap brands, that sort of thing. So to me, there's no real major reason for them not to keep it. This is what we're talking about if Canon keep it. So what I would see the best method for Canon doing, which I would do if I was them, I would make the EFM line, the new Rebel, which they technically do call it Rebels in Japan. They kiss or technically kiss, but I would make them the Rebels, which I think is kiss in Japan. So make them the Rebels and then you just have that come out every two years or something, you know, the M6, M7, M8, M9, M10, that 11, M12, that sort of stuff. Just keep going with that line. Release maybe a few more primes, a 15 millimeter wide angle prime, a more telephoto prime, and improve the aperture on the zooms, make, add a few more lenses. You don't have to go crazy, just add a few more lenses and then have a little bit more. So that can become the lower end APS-C. So for people who just want, you know, the soccer moms, that kind of stuff, just want a camera to try out, they're not sure if they want to pursue photography that much and don't want to spend much, that's where you can really sort of look at use, utilizing the EFM line. Then at the same time, you could release in like a, R7, you know, something like a mirrorless 7D Mark III. So have that R7 because, you know, a lot of people that get those higher end bodies, they tend to use them with full frame lenses, like back in the day would be EF lenses. So have that design to, and be more utilized to be used with RF lenses. So that's your high end body that, you know, maybe people use it for birding, that kind of sports and that sort of stuff. You could even maybe add a few big white um, 
APS-C RF lenses just to go along with that, but keep that as the real budget end body. Like, you know, honestly, if they, the M6 Mark II was really popular as a camera, I believe it didn't have a EVF, which was the sad part. You could attach one to the flash, but you had to choose. I feel like if they could add something like a M6 Mark II with an EVF built in and IBIS, that thing would be huge. It would be very, very popular. But, you know, we don't know what will happen. I would definitely like to see the FM line continue. It has so much potential. It will be so good to continue. But whether it will or not is another thing. I don't know if there's any listeners who use the EFM bodies. You would know how great they are. I'd say the only real downside is sometimes maybe build depending on what you expect from the price. And also IBIS. IBIS would be amazing. But otherwise, it's something definitely worth investing in if they're going to continue it. If not, who knows? It really comes down to what Canon's going to do with that APS-C market. If they're going to do continue the EFM or the... I don't even know how to continue. It's not really continuing, but they make Rebels that the RF mount. Who knows how that's going to work? Then I guess they'll get rid of it. I hope they just announce something that they're ceasing production on it and they don't just sort of leave us EFM owners in the dark because, you know, we want to know what's happening with these bodies. We all love it. So yeah, that's it pretty much for this episode. Hope you enjoy it. If you did, please make sure to subscribe. I'm on all different platforms. I know most just subscribe through RSS, RSS or whatever. So that's easiest, but... If you want to follow me for more updates, you can follow at thephotographyenthusiast.com. If you want to follow me personally for my photography, my links are in the show notes. Generally, Flickr or Twitter, those are the two places. Photos by dlwe.com as well. That's where all my stuff is. All linked in the show notes. These articles are linked in the show notes. And if you want to look at, so thank you very much for listening. Happy 2022. I hope you have a great year. Get lots of gear, shoot a lot, and obviously take photos a lot when I say shoot a lot. And yeah, thank you. See ya.